Espresso Connect friends, Casey here. Welcome to the 11th episode of the DSO Connect podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. It is a crazy time we are living in. I'm sure that the coronavirus outbreak is at the top of your mind, like it is mine. You're probably thinking about your students and your staff and your upcoming recital and about your own family's health. You're stressed out to the max wondering how you and your business are going to get through this. You are not alone. This is the number one topic of conversation right now in our Facebook group, DSO Connect Community. If you are a studio owner and you haven't joined yet, please, please, please hop on your phone right now and join this group. We are here for you. We're talking about ways to have online classes, how to use Zoom and Google Classrooms, how to continue paying our staff, how to respond to parents who want refunds, all of it. We are leaning on one another for support. We will get through this together. And I truly believe that the dance community will be stronger on the other side of this. I mean, think of all the amazing tools we're learning to use right now. Think of how our classes can become more accessible in the future. It's hard and it's scary right now, but we are in it together. If you feel alone and isolated, you don't have to. There's a whole world of studio owners out there going through the exact same thing that you are. So join us. The group is called DSO Connect Community. Answer the questions to join and jump in on the conversation. Our next Wind Down Wednesday is Wednesday, March 18th at 10 p.m. Eastern. This is a monthly video chat where we just jump on and share a drink and a conversation together. And I am sure we'll all be chatting about how we're handling the pandemic at our studios. Next week on the podcast, Robin and I plan on discussing how we're making distance learning work for our studios. After a week of online classes, we hope to be able to answer all of your questions. So if you have questions that you want answered on next week's podcast, please send them to dsoconnect6 at gmail.com and put podcast question in the subject line. A few reminders before we jump into this week's episode. Our monthly membership is live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The DSO Connect Member Vault features fresh content every month, including webinars, downloadable PDFs, social media templates, task calendars, and more, all for just $27 per month. Go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on membership to learn more and to sign up. And we still have a few spots left for this summer's retreat. We're going to Niagara Falls, Canada. It's July 10th through 12th, and it's going to be an amazing weekend full of great business and classroom content. The price includes lodging, food, drinks, and incredible seminars to get you ready for the new dance season. So go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on Retreat 2020 for more info and to snag one of just 12 slots for studio owners. And a, a few of those are already spoken for, so they're going fast. Now, on to this week's episode. We are going back to basics, back to 
why we do what we do, why we're so committed to our business and our passion, and it's because of dun, 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 the students. This week we're going to uh, revisit last year's retreat in Pennsylvania and the seminar that I gave during the teacher training day, and it was on development in the dance studio, all about how our students develop and how we can teach effectively to all ages. When I was re-listening to this seminar, it was a really great like recentering for me because everything is so chaotic right now and I'm sure you're the same like I'm super stressed out right now but re-listening to this just reminded me why I'm doing what I'm doing and it's because I love my students and I want to create an amazing environment for them now what you're going to hear in today's podcast isn't the entire seminar we had quite a lengthy question and answer session after my presentation Um, But unfortunately, we weren't able to capture all of that because of some audio issues. But if you have questions for me after listening, please email me at dsoconnect6 at gmail.com and just put podcast question in the subject line and I'll be sure to get get back to you. So here is my teacher training session from our retreat 2019. I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much. Development in the dance studio. Hi. Uh, I'm Casey Royer. I own Arts and Motion Dance Academy in Richmond, Virginia. We are entering our eighth season. And I'm also one of the founding members of DSO Connect, which is the organization that is putting on this little shindig. And we're very excited to have you. So thanks, everybody, for coming with. So we put together this little booklet of all the presentations that we're going to have today. Um, So what I'm going to be talking about is childhood development as it pertains to dance instructors. What we need to know to help our students in the studio, meet them where they're at, and teach them appropriately. So you'll see that there are one, two, three, four, four pages of very dense information here. We're going to try our best to get through all of this, but we probably won't cover everything. Um, But you have all the information here, so I strongly encourage you after today's events or during the breaks to read through all the information that we don't get to. Um, At my studio, I do for my teachers um, two uh, five-hour sessions? Two, four, or five-hour sessions of this. So I've taken basically 10 hours of material and we're gonna smush it into one. So let's get her started. Um, so we all know why this information is important, I'm, I'm imagining, because if you are teaching a class of 12-year-olds and a t- class of three-year-olds, obviously you're gonna teach those two classes very differently. Not just the content that you're teaching, but the way that you deliver that. It's important that we know where our students are in their developmental milestones to be able to teach them effectively. So the four domains of development. We have physical development, social development, emotional, and then cognitive. Physical, obviously, it's about your body. Um, this is really important for dance teachers because we need to know things about coordination, about you know, uh, hand-eye coordination, gross motor skills, fine motor skills, all those kinds of things. 
Um, social development is how the child relates to and plays with and talks to other people. That's important for understanding how students can work together in groups or not. Emotional development is the child's awareness of themselves, how they feel about themselves, their expression of feelings, and how they can care for themselves. We've all seen small children have temper tantrums, probably. And in the middle of a dance class, you're like, what do I do with you? Um, so what that is, is a child's inability to express what their emotions are. They know they have a lot of them. They know that they have needs, but they don't know how to tell you what they are. So they're going back to a baseline of what gets some sort of attention. So every time there's a temper tantrum, every time there's back talking, every time there's fussing or refusal to participate, have we gotten this one? Yes. Um, there is a reason there, and it probably comes back to something in their emotional development. Cognitive development is all about the brain and how we are thinking, how we're reasoning, solving problems, and understanding and using language, and that affects communication. Um, sometimes these um, things may not um, develop in line with what's normal. There's always a range. There's always a range when it comes to development. And, you know, some child, one child might be super advanced in physical development, but slow in social or emotional or cognitive. So you want to be able to identify where they're at. Um, developmental delays, of course, th these aren't hard and fast rules. So there's, like I said, a range with all of them. Um, there's always some variance, and of course, each child develops differently. When we have a significant developmental delay, uh, it might be caused by a variety of factors, poor nutrition, inadequate sleep or inconsistent sleep patterns, genetic learning delays, or limited family support or an unsafe home environment. If a child goes home from dance class and they don't know where their next meal is coming from or they don't have a bed to sleep in, they are going to have some developmental issues because their basic life needs are not being met. Um, as dance educators, we are not doctors. We know a lot about kids and we've had a lot of experience with children, but it's not our job to diagnose a kid. It's not our job to come up to a parent and say, listen, listen, Susie's having some problems and I think you need to get her checked out. Like, that's not your job. You can ask questions. Instead of saying, your kid's messed up, you can say, we're struggling a little bit with attention. Is there anything you've worked with at home that helps? How can we help? Keep that line of communication open because the more that you listen to the parent, the more that parent feels respected and feels accepted. And you're going to, from a business standpoint, from a studio owner standpoint, you're going to keep that student around. You're, that family is going to be committed to you. But also, you're going to help because you're going to have a consistent, reliable place for that child to be in a safe environment where they know that they are loved and nurtured and accepted. And just having that will be a really big help for their development. Um, so some supportive questions if you're noticing in any of the four um, uh, domains a child is kind of lagging behind. If it's, inter if it's not interrupting your dance class, if it's not pertinent to what your job is, it is not your job to say anything. That's my personal opinion, and I, but I think it's a pretty good rule of thumb for dance teachers. Um, but if you have something that is interrupting dance class, then you can 
delicately bring it up. I would, as a dance teacher, talk to your studio owner first. If you have a child that looks to be delayed and you're not sure what the status is, talk to your studio owner first. You wanna know what that parent brought up when they registered their kid, if they told you anything, if they told the studio owner or the front desk person anything when they were registered, um, or you wanna know if a line of communication has been opened or not, and then you wanna know how the studio owner would like to handle that conversation. Maybe they don't wanna talk about it at all, and that is their decision, and that is fine. Maybe they want to be the person to have that conversation with the parent instead of the teacher of the class, and that is fine. Um, so some supportive questions to ask parents. Instead of being accusatory or um, coming to them with a problem, come to them with a solution. I've noticed that Susie is struggling with staying focused in class. Do you have any suggestions of how I can help her stay on task? Is there anything that has worked at home or has worked at school? Here's something that I've tried with previous students. Maybe I can try it with her. Do I have your permission to try this strategy? Um, Dylan is doing awesome with his dancing but seems to be hesitant to connect with his classmates. I want him to be a part of our community and feel safe and welcome without putting him on the spot and making him feel uncomfortable. How can I make sure he knows he's an important part of our dance family? So the language here is very supportive. The language here is very um, warm. It's not putting a wall between you and the parent saying, your kid has a problem, you fix it. It's very like, we are in this together. How can we help together? Um, so yeah, moving right along. <clears throat> We're gonna move on to preschooler development. The, um, I'm starting at age three here because I'm assuming that most of us are not teaching infants. There is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of really, 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 really important development that happens from birth to age three. We don't have to, we just don't have time, and it's maybe not pertinent to our profession. Does anyone teach under the age of three? Holy moly. God bless you. If you want to talk to me after about those younger developmental stages, I'd be happy to chat with you about that over lunch, but let's, for our purposes today, start at age three. So, a lot of development happens between ages three and five. The older you get, the less development happens every year. So the younger you are, the more is happening, which is why it's really important to know what is going on in those little brains and bodies. Um, so at age three, we're gaining four to five pounds and growing two to three inches per year. That's a lot. That is a lot going on in their little bodies. So their coordination, is it gonna be great? Uh-uh. The brain-to-body connection, those neuro neurotransmitters that are going, your brain says lift your arm, take a step. They're not made yet. They're still getting there. It takes a while for those connections to be made. And when your body is changing so much so fast, it takes a while to relearn those connections every month, every week, every day. So their coordination are, is not super great, but they are becoming more skilled at running, jumping, throwing, and kicking. They may or may not, but more than likely are being able to catch a bounced ball. Socially, if they're in preschool, they're learning the social skills needed to play and work with other children. Um, before age three, you see a lot of side-by-side -side playing. 
one kid is playing with their blocks over here, one, playing, one kid is playing with their cars over here. They're not interacting, but they're having a great time together. That play date doesn't look like they're playing together, but they're playing next to each other, and that is appropriate social development for that age. Um, <clears throat> storytelling may progress into lying. I'm sure we've all had that child who tells you like, hello, how are you today? How was your weekend? I went to the moon. Whoa, cool, because they're not sure what the difference is between a story about their life and a story about something that sounds real neat. Um, morality begins to develop as children want to please their parents and others of importance, like you, like their dance teacher. Um, <clears throat> Emotionally, they're afraid of imaginary things, which also includes stuff that they don't know what it is. So that might be their dance teacher. That might be their dance classroom. If they don't know what, to, what it is and what to expect, they're gonna, they may or may not be afraid of that. They know their name, their age, and their gender. Um, they're starting to share and engage in cooperative play. Um, cognitively, they're using pronouns and prepositions appropriately. They can say three-word um, sentences. They're using plural words. They can follow a three-step command. Um, so stand in your dot with your feet in first position and your hands in your waist. It'll take them a while to get all those three things, but you can tell them those three things. When I line up my preschool children at the door to come into the studio, here's, here's my script. Okay, dancers, are we ready to line up? Come on in. Are we ready for class? Yes, Miss Casey. Yes, Miss Casey. Okay, great. Do you have your listening ears on? Yes. Okay, turn them up. Turn them up all the way, all the way, all the way. Very good. Are you ready to be good listeners? Yes. Are you ready to work hard? Yes. Are you ready to try your best? Yes. And then I throw something funky in there. Are you ready to go fishing? <gasps> no. They understand humor. They are beginning to understand humor. They at least know that that, in the context of where they are, that doesn't make sense. So obviously, Miss Casey's being very silly. What are we here for? We're not here to go fishing. What are we doing today? We're here for dancing. Oh, dancing. That's right. Are we ready for dancing? Yes. Okay. You have three jobs when you come into my dance room. Number one, put your things in a cubby. Number two, get a squirt of magic soap. Number three, find a dot and sit crisscross applesauce hands in your lap. That was way more than three instructions. But it is the same script every single week. Giving them that script outside of the room before they enter helps them to get focused and centered and know what their expectations are before they even take that first step in. They're ready. They know what's expected of them. The, um, and the three jobs is always the same. So even though it, it's a lot for their little brains to handle on the very first day, the first time they hear it, by the third, fourth, fifth, sixth week, they know exactly what to do when they come in. We still recite it at the door. What's your first job? Put your things in a cubby. What's your second job? Get a squirt of magic soap. And your third job, have a seat on a so we've condensed those three things down to one word. One word that they can remember. Cubby soap dot. Cubby soap dot. Cubby soap dot. Cubby soap dot. Those three things, those three words, they can remember. They might not remember to sit crisscross applesauce when they sit down. They might not remember to rub their hands together and they just have a glob of hand sanitizer. <laughs> right? But they know cubby soap dot. And it's the same exact thing every single week. I do mix up the funky ones. Sometimes we go 
to the moon. Sometimes we go climb a mountain, right? So, and that gives it some variety and some excitement. Um, so that's a three-step command that they get to eventually. At age four, vision is fully developed. So that means before four, it's not. So if you're teaching a class, and, and sometimes, like I said, it's a range, so it might not be fully developed by age four. So if you have a class lined up to go across the floor on one end of the studio, and you're over here demonstrating on the other side, flamingo walk, so look at my toes, they're pointed. They can't see your toes because their vision's not done developing. They need you, sorry, I'm just gonna pick on you, Regan. They need you right here. Regan, look at my toes, look how pointed they are. Oh, look at those sharp toes. Can you make sharp toes like me? Good job, right? They need you right there. Um, they can hop on one foot at age four, which means at age three, this is really hard, which means this is really hard, as skipping at age three is really advanced. I don't introduce skipping until the end of my, um, of my dance season in my three-year-old classes. Um, so social imbalances for up to three seconds, and it's gonna look like this, right? That's how they balance, and that's okay. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Socially, backtalk may begin. You can address the behavior without reacting to the words or the attitudes. If, these ch if the child feels these words will give them power over their teacher, the behavior will continue. Stay calm while you react. So that means if a child back talks to you or gives you a little sassy attitude, you're not gonna blow up at them. You're gonna, excuse me, we don't use those words here. Okay, moving on, right? You're not going to let them emotionally manipulate you. <laughs> you are the one in control. You are the one in charge. Um, emotionally, they are still working on developing the moral understanding of right and wrong. They're gonna rebel if too much is expected of them. Who has ever had the child that, when going across the floor, when it's their turn, just does whatever? It's not because they're trying to um, vehemently disrespect you. It's most likely because they think they are incapable of doing what you've asked of them. So rather than embarrass themselves by doing it wrong, they're gonna do something totally different. They're gonna do their own thing because they know how to do that. I can do whatever I want now. I can't do that though, <laughs> right? So if you have kids just wilding out going across the floor, bring it back to something more basic. Um, cognitively, they're understanding size relationships. A tondu is little, a degage is medium, a grandmama is big! Um, they can follow a three or four step command, they can name four, probably more than four colors, and they enjoy, they enjoy rhymes and wordplay. If you can turn something into a song, oh yeah, they're gonna love it, they're gonna love it. Um, I did a tap combo, rhyming is the best. I did a little tap combination, it goes like this. Okay, ready friends? Heel. Toe, away we go. Heel, toe, away we go. Up the steps and down the steps and open the door and shut it. Wave up high and touch the sky, jump up and down and clap three times. They love it. And they can do it at home. And when the kid goes home and shows mom that, she's ecstatic. They're coming back next year. 
You've retained that student because they memorized a little rhyme. They love it. If it can rhyme, if it's a song, they're gonna absolutely love it that much more. Oh, here's a good one. Hungry, hungry, hippo. And this is Tohil. Sneaky mouse, sneaky mouse eats the cheese. They love it. Um, okay, at age five, they're balancing on one foot for five seconds or longer. They're hopping and should be able to skip. Contralateral or cross-body movement begins to develop. So we've all seen the kids that go across the floor like this, right? Yeah? Contralateral movement, the, the connections going across the sides of the brain aren't there until age five. So what can help them develop that is introducing that movement into a warm-up or across the floor. So I do marching with tapping the opposite knee. We do that. It's a lot slower than this. Lift. Hi. Hi, Mr. Robin. Tap, 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 tap. Squish it. Lift. Hi. Hi, friends over there. Tap, 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 tap. Squish it. Yeah, so we're introducing that contralateral movement to help develop those neurological pathways. Where do we go? Um, yes. Well, socially, they, five-year-olds, they want to please and be like their friends. They want to be like their friends, which means that you should be pointing out the kids in the class who are doing the right thing rather than saying, uh-uh, to the kids doing the wrong thing. Oh my god, I love how Carly is sitting on her dot crisscross applesauce. Thank you, Carly. And then everybody else is saying crisscross applesauce. I'm out of breath now, Jeez Louise. Uh, <laughs> they're very concerned with right and wrong and fairness. They might point out other students misbehaving or not following the rules. Um, Miss Alyssa, so-and-so isn't following directions. So what do you say to that? I know. I see. I want you to worry about you. <laughs> It's my job to worry about everybody else. You're going to worry just about you. Okay, very good. Um, they're emotionally, they're st starting to show more independence. They can tell what's real and what's make-believe. Um, they are cognitively showing early understanding of time concepts. They can count to 10. They can respond to why questions. So applying development in the dance studio for preschoolers. The dance classes should include high energy movements which seamlessly flow from one to another. So if you have, um, so that means that transitions are really, really important. If you, there's a lot of downtime in your classes between your circle time warm up and then going across the floor, if you're turning your back to them and changing your music, it's not gonna work because then you've lost their focus and you have to get it back. That's hard. So instead, you're gonna say, okay, friends, when it's time to pick up their dots and go on to the next thing, <gasps> dancers, do you hear that? It's raining outside. Let's pick up our dots and hold them above your head like your lily pad and tiptoe over to put them away on the shelf. Okay, friends, line up. There's always a next step. Never, ever, ever leave them without a next instruction. 
so they, those transitions are very important. You should create opportunities for social development by providing children ways to express their feelings through movement and exploration using imagery, stories, sounds, words, and games. This builds confidence with their peers. So like partner dancing, go across the floor holding hands. What does that mean? What's your job if you're holding your hand with your partner to go at the same tempo? Introducing those concepts too. Because if you're holding hands, can I hold your hand? And now you can demonstrate this with one of your students. Okay, you stay, you stay there, Miss Melina. Okay. If you go really, really fast, oh my gosh, I've hurt my friend. I'm so sorry. Thank you, Melina. If you go at the same time, I tell my dancers when we're holding hands, your job, I tell this to my four-year-olds, it is your job to keep everyone in the line safe. That means you're not gonna be doing this when you're holding hands with everyone. It is your job to keep everyone in the line safe. We do not pull on our friends. So that's creating a sense of responsibility, a sense of community, and a sense of social understanding within that group. Um, beep, bop, boop. Basic dance skills need to be introduced and repeated to reinforce kinesthetic and neurological pathways. So one day they might have a beautiful first position and a beautiful turned out plie, and then the next day it's here because they lost that connection that they, that they grew last week. So we need to do it over again. With my three-year-olds, everything's parallel. Everything. Everything is parallel. We don't go to the back until five or six. Everything's parallel, front and side. Thank you. Um, so we turn, we, I introduce the idea of turnout, but we don't do anything there. First position, back to two little carrot sticks, two little french fries. Show me your pizza feet. Show me french fry feet. It's sold out from skiing instructors. <laughs> <laughs> There's the opposite though, this is pizza. We don't do this kind of pizza. Yeah, okay, so French fries or carrot sticks, you wanna do healthy. Pizza or pie, I don't know, there's no healthy version of first position. <laughs> Penguin feet. Um, so at three, we're not doing anything in turnout. We're doing all the tendus, all the movement that we're doing is from a parallel position. Because their bodies aren't ready to move and relocate their limbs, and maintain turnout at the same time. That's two things at once. They can't do two things at once. Keep your instructions short and simple. At this age, it's normal for them to test their physical, behavioral, and emotional limits. Having a safe, structured environment in which to explore and face new challenges within well-defined limits is important. So they need to know that this is a safe place. They need to understand what the expectations are and what the structure is. If they know, okay, we're in circle time now. Next, we're gonna go across the floor. Next, we're gonna do a little dance. And then next, we're gonna do a freeze dance. They know what to expect, they know, they know what the structure is, they feel safe, they're more able to then focus on what they're doing rather than what's gotta be next. Um, and then my question for you here is how can we correct behavioral issues without impacting self-esteem? That's my challenge to you if you teach preschool age students. How can we correct behavioral issues without impacting self-esteem? We do not ever want to tell a child that they are bad. We do not ever want to tell a child that they are bad. We want to help them make the right choices, make good choices, friends, so that they can thrive in your environment, but we do not ever want them to think that they are bad. Questions about preschool age development? 
Okay, great. Um, school age development, ages six to 12. There's a lot of variation here of when these developmental things happen from one kid to another. You can have a six-year-old that's this tall. You can have a six-year-old that's this tall. So there's a lot of range. So I didn't do specific ages here, but generally all this stuff happens between age six to 12. Their motor skills are getting more smooth and they're getting more strong. Their hand-eye coordination, endurance, balance, and physical abilities vary wildly. So you could have one kid who just you know, has beautiful arms, you might have one, another kid who just has no body awareness and they're, you know, like this. Um, fine, yeah. Uh, there's wide differences in height and weight of children at the same age. Coordination. Uh, I have one, one class last year where um, I had, like, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old. <laughs> it's like, well, great, awesome. These formations are going to look great on stage. Um, but I never want to tell the kid that. I'm not going to be like, Susie, you're rounding my formations, man. Oh, man. No! We celebrate those differences. Um, coordination is developing. Dancers are able to integrate exercises with combined movements. Yeah? So we're taking a shuffle and then executing a full lap right after. They know how to do one after the other. Socially, peer acceptance becomes way more important. Children may take part in certain behaviors to be part of the group. So if you have ma the majority of your class acting really great and behaving well, then the rest of the class is going to follow. Strong bonds of friendship are formed, most likely with members of the same sex. Emotionally, we've got a sense of body image developing as early as age six as early as age six, which means it's super duper important to give technical corrections about how a movement is executed rather than what it looks like. I tell even my youngest dancers to use their tummy muscles because we are so strong. We are so strong and we want to use the right muscles. It's not, I'm not asking you to look skinny. I don't care about what you look like. I want you to use the right muscles so that we can be strong dancers. Which is also why it's important for you as their teacher to be modeling positive body image behavior, right? Um, I had a, a dance that, I didn't choreograph it, but I was running rehearsals for it, and they had, it was a musical theater piece, they had this, the snapping of the arms and the straight elbows, and they weren't getting it. They were just like, blah, blah, jello arms, and I'm like, boom, look at my arms jiggle. Look at that. I want to I wanna see your arms jiggle, when normally, we see our arms jiggle, and we're like, oh, God, why? <laughs> But we, we were in there with all my like 10 year olds like, yeah, make them jiggle. Jiggle those arms, girls. And they loved it. They were having the best time. Um, it was great. We had a, we had a blast. Um, beep, bop, boop. So we want to be able to make technical corrections without impacting their body image or self-image. Um, <laughs> it's important for children to learn how to deal with failure and frustration without losing self-esteem. How many people have taught a new skill to a student of any age and that child is too afraid to try it? We have an epidemic of this in my area and we've noticed, we noticed a while ago students were afraid to dance full out because they were not sure they could do it. 
they would stop at a double because they weren't sure they could land a clean triple. Oh my God, what? that sounds like a horrible way to live. Um, how unfun would that be if we lived our lives only doing the things that we knew we could do well? Boring. So boring. So from the very youngest classes, I talk about how it's okay to make mistakes. Dancers, what happens if you mess up? We keep on trying, Miss Casey. That's right. What happens if you fall down? We get back up, Miss Casey. That's right. And what happens if someone else makes a mistake? We give them a high five. Yes, we do. Yes, so we're encouraging them to keep on trying. Is it okay to mess up? Yes, as long as you try your best. Yay! And then I celebrate the students who are trying their heart. I reward the effort rather than the execution, rather than the end point. Yeah, so if I see a kid who's an absolute hot mess going across the floor, but they are giving it their all, and it's an improvement over what it was the last time I saw it, that's the student that gets the high five and the hug from me because they are doing what I need them to do. The kid that is, has perfect technique naturally, yeah, sure, she's great and we love those students, but it, she's not working that hard. Um, and they're going to rarely ask for help because they're afraid of being teased. They're afraid of being teased. So I always look at a student who clearly needs to ask a question. And I say, it looks like you're having a hard time. Who else is having a hard time? This is a hard, this is a hard combination. Who's having, I am. Okay, how can we turn our problem into a question? How can we turn our problem into a question? And maybe that question will help everybody else in the class too. Oh. And then they think about it and then they realize that their problem is that they're not sure which leg starts the whole entire thing. Miss Casey, which leg starts the whole entire thing? Good question, Cecilia. It's the right leg. Yeah? Um, cognitively, a six-year-old should be able to focus on one task for at least 15 minutes. By nine, a child should be able to focus for an hour. By 10, students can follow complex instructions with five or more commands in a row. That's not that much more than what the five-year-old could do. So that means that if we're teaching a eight, eight counts of eight, a phrase, we can't do it all at once. You can't teach four counts of eight at once. You gotta do, I do one count of eight at a time. Maybe even less than that. Um, spatial relations, we're emphasizing formations, dancing within your own space, dancing with other people, how to maintain formations while traveling. We are beginning to explore movement awareness through diagonals, curves, and twists. We're moving into asymmetry. Social aspect of dance class becomes increasingly important, especially around age 10. Dance class needs to create and reinforce social connections without disrupting the learning process. We don't want everybody, oh my God, we're so excited for dance class. We're just gonna talk the whole time. That's not productive. But if you can introduce exercises, we're going across the floor with a partner, we're holding hands or linking elbows or we're doing group work. Okay, what skills did we learn today in the center? Okay, we learned a new time step. Um, okay, now I'm gonna give you um, you know, five minutes with two partners. The three of you are gonna come up with two counts of eight. Make sure you include that time step, um, a directional change, and a level change. Go. There's three instructions there. Time step, uh, what did I say? A directional change and a level change, right? And they know that they have to do it in two counts of eight. 
So that's a great way for them to be working together. Uh, as body awareness develops, incorporate accurate and anatomical terminology into class. Use creative imagery for students to understand the role and placement of certain muscles and how to initiate movement correctly. Oh, and effectively. That's the word I use there, effectively. Um, fostering confidence while encouraging dancers to take risks is paramount. How can we give technical corrections without impacting self-esteem? Yeah, so if they try a step and they mess up, rather than saying, you did it wrong, we need to be able to say, oh, try it this way. That was good. I like what you did there. Try it a different way instead of saying that was wrong. <laughs> Any questions about that? How are we on time, Amanda? Okay. All right, so teen development, ages 12 to 18. Here comes puberty. God, we love it. It's so much fun, right, ladies? Aren't you so excited? In girls, breasts may begin to develop as early as age eight. Likes. Uh, it's all the hormones in the milk. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, but typically develop fully between ages 12 and 18. Your menstrual periods usually begin about two years after early breast development begins and as early as age nine or as late as age 16. The average age in here in the US is age 12. Growth spurt peaks around age 11 and a half and then slows down at age 16. So like our preschool kids who are growing, what, four, a gajillion inches a year, our, our Preteens and teens are developing physically very fast also, which means their bodies are changing and they have to rediscover those neurological pathways. Their center of gravity is, who, who knows where? I don't know, where did it go? It used to be here, now it's here, what is happening, right? So their turns are gonna be affected, their jumps are gonna be affected, the way they travel across the floor is going to be affected, the way they go into and out of the floor is going to be affected. They're basically relearning how to do what they've always done in a brand new body. In boys, puberty begins around age 12 and changes can continue as late as 17 to 18. Their growth spurt, as we know, is after girls. It's around age 13 and a half and then slows down at around age 18. Socially, um, they're showing more interest and influence by their peer group. They're expressing less affection towards their parents. Some may seem rude or short-tempered. <laughs> Romantic relationships may form. Independence grows increasingly important and peer approval is extremely important and may lead to risk-taking behaviors. As dance teachers, as studio owners, we want that peer group to be in the studio. We want those risk-taking behaviors to be going for a quadruple pirouette, not taking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> right? We want their peer group that they're seeking acceptance from to be their classmates in the dance studio, not their friends down the street who have nothing better to do on a Saturday besides what we do, just be in dance class, right? Um, so we need to be especially introducing group work and partner work in this age so that those bonds can be cemented and formed and reinforced. Emotionally, they're showing more image about body image, looks, and clothes. Having a dress code is very helpful here because, you know, oh, you have a fancy new leotard. Oh, you have an old nasty one. Well, we all wear the same dang leotard, so 
there's nothing about that that we can focus on. Um, they focus on themselves. Teenagers' lives revolve around themselves. They only care about themselves, and the only thing that they think about is themselves. Um, they go back and forth between high expectations and lack of confidence. So they want this, but they're afraid they can only get this, but really probably they're somewhere here. That's where they're at. They experience a lot of moodiness, thank you hormones. They feel a lot of stress from more challenging work in school and in their extracurriculars. So it's important for you to have a good connection with your students so that if they are in the middle of exam week, you're not giving them something really, really stressful in dance class, right? So that you know where they are emotionally, you can check in with them, they feel comfortable talking to you so that you can adjust your lesson plan if you need to. Um, developing depression, anxiety, eating problems, especially in our girls. We all know the risk that is in the dance community with that especially, which is why starting body positive teaching, even at a young age, is so important. Cognitively, they have more ability for complex thought. They're better able to express feelings through talking, right? So we no longer have that temper tantrum on the floor that we did at age two or three. Now they can express themselves. Um, they can also express themselves through dancing, which is what we're all about. Um, they're developing a stronger sense of right and wrong while understanding the, gray, understanding the gray areas and subtleties, but sometimes those gray areas are extremely frustrating and extremely like um, existentially confusing, right? But I've always believed this, but I like this person. This person is a good person, but this person did that. How can a good person do a bad thing? Ah, total crisis. Um, they are learning more well-defined work habits, and as dance teachers, we can reinforce those and help to develop those. They show more concern, more concerned about future school and work plans. We all know the stress of being in high school and what are you gonna do? I don't know, um, right? So we want dance to be a comfortable, safe place where that all goes away. We don't want to stress them out more. Um, they're better able to give reasons for their own choices. And the, prefront the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which controls decision-making, is not fully developed until the mid-20s. So many of you in this room don't have your brains fully developed yet. Not until the mid-20s. And for men, it's a little bit later. <laughs> they, t they take a little longer to, to bake. Um, so applying development in the dance studio for ages 12 to 18, puberty and growth spurts can have a profound impact on the students dancing, especially when it comes to girls and their center of gravity changing. Their hips are getting wider, their turns are all thrown off. Um, it affects their balance, their jumping, their turning. Conditioning work is especially important during growth spurts so that your muscles can handle the new weight of your body the new stretch of your tendons and ligaments. Excessive stretching should be avoided because muscles have limited strength and tendon attachments are weaker. So we don't want to overdo it because during a growth spurt is also the time when injuries are more um, likely to happen. So it is a, a fine balance between doing enough conditioning and overdoing it. So we want to be really paying attention to those signals that our body is telling us. 
Balancing work and focus on proprioception here. Closing the eyes during balances and turns. We've all had that ballet teacher. Okay, releve at the bar at the end and close your eyes. Oh, no, she told me to close my eyes. That's the worst. That proprioception of understanding where your body is in space is really important and we can work on that more at this age. Regression phases will occur as their bodies change. Dancers will feel as if they are moving backwards. It is your job to help them understand that this is temporary and the skills will return if they continue working at it, but not to the point of frustration. We don't want to push ourselves to the point where we are having that toddler-style temper tantrum, right? We want to be encouraging them to keep on working at it, but without breaking down. The um, uh, Who's had kids that are 13, 14, 15? That's where they quit. That's where they decide, this is not for me. Probably it's because they've entered a regression phase in their technique because their body is going through so many changes. They're no longer able to excel and advance at the rate that they were used to before all of that happened. So um, I think it's okay to talk about that openly. Hey, you're going through puberty, right? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> You'll get through it. There is another, there's a, an other side to this. You will make it. It's horrible right now. I am here for you. I believe in you. We can get through it together. Um, you're going to add complexity and layers to the movement. Give traveling material with the head and torso off center, etc. You want to also give an emotional context or maybe a storytelling context to your movement. Let them come up with that emotional context or that storytelling movement. Have them tell you what that is. You want to remain body positive in corrections and observations. Dancers should never feel that there is something wrong with their body. They're just maybe a different way that they should approach it. Be aware of how you refer to your own body in the classroom. Going back to that. Jiggle the arms, jiggle the arms, instead of, oh my god, my arms jiggle, that's so horrible. Um, never speak negatively about your own body or abilities in front of your students. Oh my god, we made it. Oh, that's the whole thing. Woo! All right, well, thank you all very much.